love this game. Once more, I give you what you want. And what you want is Deathcast 2000, a.k.a. Take Me to Your Reader, the podcast where we examine adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And this time we're back to kind of what we consider our classic format, where we take a well-known film that's derived from an earlier work and that has at least one remake. And so this time we have three things to discuss. We have Death Race 2000, uh, which is based on an Ib Melchior story called The Racer and has a remake, the Jason Statham Death Race from... 2008. Excellent. So uh, we have all read the story. We have all watched both films, and we are going to discuss it here in kind of a roundtable format. So in this case, I think Death Race 2000 is the well-known film. I think a lot of people have heard of it. Uh, I certainly was culturally aware of it, but I had never seen it before we started doing this. And actually, right. I think I hadn't seen either film. I hadn't read the story. Oh, I think I, I had same seen, with Colin, right? Same for me, 0 for 3. I had seen Death Race Okay, when so, it, back when it came out, I think. But we were going pretty fresh on this one, which made yeah. it kind of fun. I didn't get a lot of the references when I saw it the first time. Right. And, but... And now that I'm seeing it again, in, in uh, kind of what relative to the other ones in the in the ecosystem, that is Death Race 2000. Uh-huh. I still think it's a completely different story. <laughs> okay, well we'll get we'll get back to uh, to your strange opinions on that. So later. We'll get back to that. Yeah, but yeah, I think growing up, you know, we'd see somebody crossing in a crosswalk or something and be like, "Hey, fifty points oh, for right, the old lady," yeah. you know? Oh, and, totally. And I wasn't aware that that was from Death That's Race. That's true. Yeah, so. and in hindsight, I really knew where that came from. It just was something that I grew up with right like, yeah scoring points Woo-hoo. yeah totally and i does it does it actually come from i'm sure it does okay. yeah so we have the 1956 short story the racer yes are you going right. to give us a kind of a plot recap yeah I sure we've we've kind of noticed that we go a little long on plot recaps uh, yeah sometimes so let's that's only when i do it let's keep it brief right <laughs> okay so in the theme of keeping it brief we will talk about the racer so the racer's story about the race yes the race it's quite mysterious there it's a race that takes place across the country from New York to L.A., uh, and uh, the participants are called racers, and you get the racer and a mechanic. In this particular story, we have basically two main characters, Willie Connors, the driver, and Hank Morawski, the mechanic. What they're doing is racing, or, well, in this particular case, Willie is, his goal basically is to win um, by beating previous time and score records, um, but that kind of agenda changes partway through the story, which we may or may not get to later. Right. And this doesn't, the story doesn't seem to take place in any particular time, but it is a time which cars do exist and (laughs) a kind of dystopian future, I suppose, for America. Yes. We're going to call it a future. Because cars. A future, yes. (laughs) Cars with horns. That's true, because he drives a car called the Bull, right? Right. Willie drives a car called the Bull. Yes. Yeah, and he, he has an encounter that kind of changes his perspective on things. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I guess we should mention, right, he, like, right. he scores. Right. It's a, He's, he he, he makes several scores along the way, deaths and maims, mm-hmm. as it were. In the, and his, his mechanic in the wants to stop and view the carnage. Right. And they get out and view it, and that kind of switches his mm-hmm. perspective. Well, they get out and view it, but Willie is confronted by um, a victim, right. or a, a relative of a victim. She walks up to Willie holding dead baby in her hands. He calls him a butcher. Yeah, he calls him a butcher, and that kind of psychologically scars him for the rest of the story. Right. There's at one point where he kind of hesitates and ends up missing a score, and his his co-pilot, or Hank, um, accuses of being an anti-racer. 
Right, and, which is illegal. Right, right. which yeah. is illegal, and and reporting and possibly reporting. And right, then, trying to pressure him into continuing to right. up his score. Yeah, well, he's he's thinking about the money, right? I mean, the, the right. prize money yeah. is unreal, $100,000 <laughs> for winning. So just incredible unreal. amounts of cash for 1956. And that's split between the two of them, yeah. think, so. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So what kind of behind the scenes, um, Colin and I both watched a interview with Ib Melchior on the Death Race 2000 uh, Blu-ray, and he talked about the nascence of the story, where it came from. And just first a little background about him, where he was actually in the U.S. Counterintelligence Corps in World War II, which is interesting because he's not actually oh, okay. from the U.S. He's but, Danish. Right. Yeah, but probably language skills played into part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but and he, he won the Bronze Star. And so at some point, he, wa- he wanted to go into writing. He started writing war stories because he had had experiences there. And he was invited to attend the Indy 500. And he was sitting in a box with his friend and a bunch of the families of the racers out there. And there was a terrible crash where one of the racers burned in his car. And, and everybody so, went, woo! Well, yeah, so in the box, right. everyone's horrified. And he, he, so he was very much struck by... The difference in reaction between the people right. in that box and the people in the crowd. In the crowd. And yeah. it kind of occurred to him that Americans love their violence and, and death. <laughs> and, America. And, and so that's where this story came from. We mentioned it's from 1956, and it wasn't until 1975 that Roger Corman picked it up and purchased the rights to it to make the 1975 B-movie slash cult classic slash very strange film, Death Race 2000. It was very cheap to make. Very cheap. And in fact, I saw an interview with Roger Corman, and he does not like being called the king of the B-movie, even though he's made tons of them. Uh, He likes being called a more fiscally responsible filmmaker, because he can make them for cheap. Um, And campy. On the other hand, I I found uh, there was something pretty recently, I think, on Nidorama. I saw a link to it, and I'll put the link in the show notes, that was the B-movie countdown, you know, the 100 greatest B-movies of all time, and Death Race 2000 is number 38. So Nice. He may not want it to be called a B-movie, but... It is. So what was the number one B-movie of all time? Oh, oh Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Hard Ticket to Hawaii is the number one B-movie. <laughs> and I have seen it. It is, really? it is one of the worst things you could ever watch. It's hilariously bad. Actually, a show that I enjoy watching on YouTube is um, from Red Letter Media, the guys behind the Plinket reviews of Star Wars. Uh-huh. Um, they do a show called Best of the Worst, where they'll take generally considered bad movies and watch them and decide which one was the best in that group and and you know just cracking up while they're watching it and hard ticket hard ticket to hawaii was on a recent in the last six months show that's awesome so (laughs) yes there's an animatronic snake in it that's all you need to know (laughs) so the concept of the b movie i didn't really know where this came from and I, i started looking up i don't know if you guys know yeah we had a long talk about what's the difference between a b movie and an art movie it can't just be budget Right. Yeah, you could have an art house movie that's it's intentionally small budget, but it's a serious film. Where right. A B movie might be, well, here's a movie we want to make. We can't make it for this amount of money. Let's do it anyway. <laughs> um, but really, the B movie terminology comes from uh, double features, where the A movie was kind of like, oh, right. you know, the the main attraction, and the B movie was just the the other thing. It was like the B side, you know, on a on a tape. So is it like the like the leader into a concert where you would bring in some lower known opening lesser floor. known opening? Yeah, maybe, but I think or do you show it afterwards so you don't lose people in the meantime. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and you know, it, it's well, I think it's, your it's concert thrown in right? backwards. It would be. Right. Yeah, it is kind okay. of backwards. <laughs> so it's it's sort of thrown in for free. 
just for for, for right. buying a ticket. And I was talking to my dad about this because a lot of science fiction movies had that B movie treatment right. because mm -hmm. they just weren't well regarded in Hollywood. So still yeah, aren't. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And there's certainly a difference between you know things that are reviewed well or you know seen as advancing the genre of cinema, and those things that make money. So right. you know one of the nice things, interesting things about Death Race 2000 is the budget was three hundred thousand dollars, but the box office take was five million. Oh yeah, yeah. And so you know, granted, they only made like four point two million dollars in profit, but when you look at that as a percentage, it was like almost impressive. twenty times as high. Yeah. Which, right. if you could do that nowadays, that would be phenomenal. Yeah, definitely. And have we moved on from the story? I think, I think so. I think well, yeah, let's we, say this we, about we the should, story. We should sum it up, right? Yeah. The, the story has a moral, and that is that you know the worshiping of violence in sports events right. is not always a good thing. Right. And it's, it's kind of t shown through the story of what happens to Willie as he proceeds through there. You, know, you talked about him being psychologically scarred, right. but the scarring was to restore... Restore his humanity. His humanity and his, yeah. and his morality. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, usually, at the, at the outset of one of these things, we say, this is a really short story. In this case, it's probably 10 pages. Uh, maybe that. Yeah. Um, it'd take you right. 20 minutes to read, probably. And we would say, you know, put down the podcast, go read the story. But I can't find any place to read it online. I did, I did find lots of places that you can find it in anthologies, most of them by Forrest J. Ackerman, who is the guy who, oh, yeah. who put together the one that we have, the book called Real Future. Real. Right. But I'm going to put a link there to the Internet Speculative Fiction database where you can find every place that that story exists if anybody's interested in getting it. Yeah, so. Well, and we've plugged that book before, right? You yes. guys got it from Amazon for two cents? Uh, four bucks. Four bucks. Yeah, right. uh, four bucks with free shipping, or <laughs> one, one penny, one penny with three ninety nine shipping. shipping. So, um, <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I have that book linked there, so if anyone wants to purchase it, they can they can do that. Um, you know, kind of. What did we think of the story? I, I'm kind of comparing it to some of the other stories we've read, like The Fly and like Eight O'clock in the Morning, oh, right. and it does not hold up to it, me. It doesn't. No. Uh, you know, I, I had I read it, and then I watched the two movies, and I was not pleased. And I went back and read the story, and all of a sudden, it seemed a whole lot better. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Although I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still stuck on the last line. I don't know how to resolve what she says to him at the very end. No, I don't either. It, it's very pat at the end. Um, just kind of abruptly ends. I don't totally get it. I liked the story. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's the worst thing I've ever read or anything. But, oh, no. Um, no. A lot more could have been done with it, I think. And which is, yeah. We're going to talk about what was done Which with it. Which is why the story doesn't really end. It just kind of cuts off. Right. Anyway, but... Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know. I think it's... What the last one was, she said, you're not a racer, right? Right. He's like, yeah. I'm not a murderer. I'm like, well, you're not a racer either. And it, it kind of leaves you thinking, well, he doesn't know who he is, right? Yeah. Has he now so, quit the club and now he's in danger? He's a rebel, essentially? I right. Don't, I don't know. He's an anti-racer. Yeah, we're spoiling the end of right. Well, I don't know. I think in my mind, it kind of makes you... Think about yourself, the reader, right? Do you yeah. know who you are? Do you do you participate in event or in events where violence is portrayed as a good thing and a thing of entertainment that further objectifies people until the point where you get confronted with that, and all of a sudden, yeah, they, I, you realize, oh crap, this is bad. I think there is some some deeper. Right, because I think that's what the story it. is trying to do to you, yeah. do for you. Yeah, well, it's is. trying to say, are you are you participating in these things and not really considering what the cost is? Right, and and that's what happens to him. Right, once when, when once he gets out right. and sees that it's not just scoring, it's killing. Yeah, right. Um, that makes a big difference, which is interesting given one of the lines in the film, and maybe we'll talk about that. 
Well, and it's, it's a topic that comes up again and again in post-apocalyptic fiction. David Brin brought it up in The Postman. Which we're going to have to do. It's on the list. It's on the list. So. Yeah. And we have to do it because my hometown's in there. Sweet. Really? Yeah, that's one of the reasons I love that book. Cottage <laughs> Grove? Cottage Grove nice. is, wow. it figures very prominently awesome. in The Postman. Nice. Cool. Okay, um, so I think we're pretty much wrapped with, with the book, right. uh, or with the, with the story, and I suppose it's worth reading. I mean, certainly in terms of return on investment, it, you, you're not going right. to suffer, because yeah. it's so short. So, as we mentioned, of course, it's most famously been adapted into the 1975 cult classic, right. Death Race 2000, starring David Carradine, and we mentioned the budget, $300,000, and it made... You mention Sylvester Stallone. Right, that's true. Sylvester Stallone was, was in there as well. Um, and I think that's pretty much it in terms of headliners. And, and well, he, actually, in the, so in 1975, he wasn't a headliner. Right, that's true. But they re-released the movie in mid-80s mid in France, mm -hmm. and Sylvester Stallone became a headliner along with... He shared the headline with uh, David right. Carradine. And that makes sense. <laughs> um, interestingly, um, I thought I saw that was in funny. the interview with Roger Corman that I was watching on the DVD, uh, he brought in Sylvester Stallone. He's like, oh, this guy is a great heavy. And his wife said to him, you know, he could be a leading man. And he went, no, I don't think he can be a leading man. He just makes a great heavy. <laughs> so Nice. <laughs> swing and a miss there. But swing and a miss. He could have had a whole career as a B-movie actor. If right. only, if only. Yeah. Um, but we, we mentioned the budget is $300,000, and it made $5 million. Five. Right. $50,000 was David Carradine's cut salary for that movie. Wow. And he also That's got insane. a certain percentage of the profit. And so he ended up making something. I think he said made about a million dollars off that movie eventually. <laughs> cool. Um, wow. Because it's, it's had a life of its own after its theatrical run. In that interview with Ib Melchior, he talked about how Roger Corman had you know, given him a, a cut for adapting the story. And then when he subsequently went on and made Death Sport, which is in no way related to Death Race 2000, he felt like it was inspired by it enough or it wouldn't have happened without Death Race, Death Race 2000. And so he gave... Ib Melchior a cut for that. Oh, really? And then Roger Corman <laughs> was one of the executive producers on the remake film wow. and made sure that Ib Melchior got, got credit and, nice. and only at the end, but um, right. also got some got some money from it. So because yeah, I know in the, in the four right in the, the forward credits, I guess uh, in Death Race, he it got or the uh, the book the movie the original movie got credit. Yeah, right. it was that's what yeah. it's based on. It's not based on the on the story again. It's right. based on the movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so we, we talk about what's Which the difference between a remake and a readaptation, yeah. and it's more of a remake. Yeah, yeah although if when you re, uh, the marketing materials makes it look like a remake, but it actually acts more like a prequel, right? Kind of the origin of the race. Yeah, and, and actually, know. the director right. actually kind of sees it as such. I saw on the, I watched all the behind the scenes stuff like you usually do. Oh, so. <laughs> I just yeah, liked well, I watched the movie so much I didn't watch any of that. The the oh, remake? Really? Yeah. Oh, really? Oh. Okay. Well, well, we'll have to we'll have to get to that because I think we're going <laughs> to differ. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the cast. I mean, we mentioned David Carradine, who is David Carradine. And to me, the bright spot of the movie was Sylvester Stallone. I, I, I loved everything <laughs> right. he did in that movie. He was hilarious. <laughs> um, and I think he was supposed to be kind of big and dumb. Right. And, but, yeah. and he's loud. He totally offsets David Carradine because David Carradine kind of acts like a wooden statue in that movie. He's very, like I said, he's David he's Carradine. very kung fu. <laughs> yeah, he's very Kwai Chang. Yeah, I mean, he was coming right off of Kung Fu, David Carradine was. And that's what, you know, he was the big mm -hmm. name. And evidently they had targeted him. That's who they wanted. And one interesting thing on the behind-the-scenes stuff huh. was uh, I was watching the thing with the costume designer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they had to cut corners everywhere because the budget was so low. And she went and talked to David Carradine about his costume. And evidently they had this concept of leather, black leather. And he said to her, I'm not wearing leather. 
And so she's like, but the idea that I have, and he just tells her to F off. No. You know? And so she goes and talks to Roger Corman and says, look, I can't work with this guy. And, and he said, well, he's fired and, and fired him. And so then the next Wait. day, David Carradine comes to the, the lady's house and is all, all apologetic, brought his guitar, <laughs> sang some songs for her. We almost fired and, David and made Carradine nice. from Yeah, the totally. Oh, my gosh. And, awesome. Yeah. And so he, they, they, they made up. And then she found this material that looked like leather, okay. but wasn't. And so, right. and she said when she saw all the press stuff or, or any of the early reviews about it, and it said, David Carradine clad head to toe in black leather. And she's like, yes, I win. Nice. <laughs> so. Well, can you imagine trying to wear a costume like that, shooting in the California desert yeah. for however long they oh. did it? That would have been miserable. Yeah, it would have been brutal. So, and, and so I can understand why he didn't want to do it, but he wanted, it, he wanted neoprene, which would have been warmer. Kind of yeah. nuts about that. Crazy. Um, so... The budget for the film being $300,000, that kind of set the reality for everything else that happened. And watching that behind-the-scenes stuff, he, Roger Corman had, had acquired Volkswagen frames and engines. So all they needed to do was create the tops for them. And <laughs> he, found, he found a custom guy to do that. But they made one of each, and that was all. They, they, didn't, they didn't have any budget That's to replace amazing. anything, so they had to replace stuff. And evidently, one of the most troublesome things was the teeth on the dragon, or the, <laughs> I'm sorry, the monster. <laughs> I can't remember what they called that one. Yeah. Um, David Carradine's car. <clears throat> Frank's David, car. Yeah. yeah, Frankenstein's car. Right. And, yeah, they, evidently, they, they just would not stay straight. They'd <laughs> fall off, and so they had to constantly be out there gluing right. that stuff back on. You know, I bet we could go back and rewatch the movie now and see the the teeth changing alignment totally. position. Yeah, but we didn't catch it. I didn't catch that when we watched it. No, but I mean, you could totally tell, like on the front of Machine Gun Joe's car, that that big Bowie knife was totally fiberglass or plastic yeah. or foam or, or yeah, didn't quite shine. No, yeah. yeah, it didn't quite look right. But hey, it eviscerated that dude's nuts really well. So, and it was a clean hit, a perfect hit. And what's the <laughs> point? I guess it cost too much money to rig up machine guns to fire on the front of a car. In 1975. Dude, actually, now that you mentioned, I did find that kind of odd that they never once fired those machines. Yeah, yeah. especially when they're doing the chase through <laughs> through the river. Right. Like, just that blow that guy perfect. down, man. Just blow that dude down. Yeah. Done. Yeah, I thought about that. I was wondering when they were going to actually use the guns. If I didn't think they would never use them. Right. <laughs> so, one of the things that a film adaptation of a short story has the advantage of is expanding the story. And this right. it really does expand the story. I mean, it puts it into a specific time. It mm -hmm. says it's 2000. Definitely. And there's reference to the great world crash of 1979, and there's some some antagonism maybe they were between about the, energy crisis. the French, yeah, maybe, <laughs> and the United States, the, the United States and, and France, and so we have we have several different characters. We have Calamity Jane, who's in the bull, right, which is right. The, the one that's close and closest to the actual story car. Right. Then we had Frankenstein, the most famous racer, and he's in the monster or the dragon. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah. Um, the monster would make sense. The green monster. Yeah, Frankenstein's monster. And then you had Nero in his sort of, I'm not even sure, did it look like a chariot? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and then Matilda <laughs> the Hun. Right. Uh, with, with hers that looked like a um, one of those rockets, those Nazi rockets, I can't remember what they were called. V2. Oh, right. Buzz bomb. <coughs> Buzz, Buzz bomb. There we go. Yeah. yeah they, she had the Nazi uh, co-pilot. Right. Yes. Uh, was there anybody else? I think that was it, wasn't it? Oh, Machine Gun Joe. Machine, machine Gun, gun Joe. Joe. Yeah, don't yeah. Machine Gun Joe. Yeah. Was, uh, no, because no, that was... Machine Guns, uh, an operable machine guns and a giant right. knife, <laughs> bayonet, yes. car bayonet. There so, you go. Also, one of the differences, of course, they don't have mechanics, they have navigators, but the navigators essentially are right. mechanics. They're the astromechs right. for, for, for the race. Right? Yeah, expected to climb out of the car <laughs> while you're driving yes. at <laughs> right. fixed yes. stuff. And, and they're there, evidently, to, uh, to sex the driver. 
as far as I can tell from, from the movie. Because that's the other thing, <laughs> that's the other part of a B-movie, right? You expect that there's probably going to be nudity in it. Right. But in terms of the casting, yeah, you had, I thought Sylvester Sloan gave a really good performance, yeah. which is funny because there weren't many very good performances in there. Uh, and David Carradine certainly didn't do anything special. Mm. And none of, the, none of the other people did yeah. much of anything. I liked Calamity Jane. Calamity thought, Jane was pretty yeah, good. She was good. I thought the sportscasters were really... Oh, they were into it. Yeah. yeah. You um, know, they understood what they were doing. Their job is to look out there and act corny, so corny that you pick up on it. Right. The press in general. Right. So there was Junior Bruce, who is the, hey, 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 and yes, sirree, <laughs> you know? And, and he was evidently a radio guy. Really? But every scene I saw him in, I went back and watched. He never blinks <laughs> while the camera is on him. And so he was doing that, that whole big monologue about how, you know, a good hit, a clean hit, and no pain for the victim. Oh! Perfect hit and no pain for the target. Too bad the guy was only 38. Just two years older, he'd have been worth three times the points. But for the second year in a row, Machine Gun Joe has splattered the scoreboard first. No blinks. It's creepy. Wow. Yeah, he was interesting. And then there was the sort of more deadpan Walter Cronkite kind of guy. Yep. And then there was Grace Pander, who hilarious. pandered to everybody. Yes. We're here with Frankenstein. Dear friend of mine. Everybody was evidently dear friends of hers. Yes. She's, she's close to everyone. Well-known, well-liked, accepted. Yes. Or as they said about Machine Gun Joe, loved by thousands, hated by millions. <laughs> uh, so then we get to the, the storyline. Right, in terms of how they expanded it? Yeah, how they expanded right. it. Yeah. So in the book, it talked about anti-racers. These are these you know, crazy, illegal people that mm-hmm. you know, are against racing, but they never say how or why. Maybe they just protest. Right. But in the movie... There's actually like this whole rebellion. They're trying to shut it down right. in order to um, kind of spoil the president because he's, he's a major fan and promoter for the races. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have decided they are going to try and you know, interfere with this race. And there's actually two segments. There's the people that want to be very reactionary. And there's actually a whole subplot hap- <clears throat> that happens aside from that. Yes, where there's a right. kind of a sleeper agent in there who we know who it is almost through the entire race. Uh, almost through the entire race. Yeah, the entire movie was what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. But. I guess it's kind of it's revealed to us rather early on and then yeah. Not too much later revealed to the characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the rebels are headed by Thomasina Paine, who is a reference to Thomas Paine, one of the right. founders of the country. Right. But yeah, none of that is very artfully done about about the rebellion, other than, you know, things blow up. Yeah, she's um, just as strident as the president is and everyone else. Right. In opposite directions. Yes. Although her, I, well, I kind of like her approach better than the rebellious rebels. She had wanted to do it through nonviolent means, right? Through protest, and they, you know, they hijack the station and that right. kind of stuff. Right. But um, then her, her minions decide to take matters into their own hands and start blowing stuff up, uh, yeah. which is, makes the race kind of fun. Yeah. And one thing we should point out that's different that is different between the book and the movie, is in, in the book, you're competing by time and by scoring. Right. In, the, in the movie, you can tar- try and take out your opponent. Yes. Right. Yeah, so well, they're trying to run each that. other off the road, and they're, they're definitely competing with each other. Yes. Nobody scores my navigator. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> right. So at one point, someone's car breaks down, and the navigator gets out to try and fix it, and along comes another car, and you know, according to the rules of the race, if there's a body on the road or a sidewalk or inside of a nearby house, right. you are vulnerable. Uh, maybe we should summarize the scoring. Did you? We had looked it up. I think we we did, and it's 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 pretty out there. So in the story, <laughs> it's a it's a point per body, right? But you know there are um, and there's something for maims as well. But I 
Yeah, they didn't really. That was only a meme. He could have made that a score. Right. Because he only sheared through his hip instead of taking him out of the spine. (laughs) Um, In the movie, in the 2000 movie, uh, the scoring is done by age and by gender. Yes. And then if you are a youth, you have, you're a high-scoring thing. If you're an old person, you're a high-scoring thing. Mm-hmm. Women are worth 10 points more. And Across all age categories. Right. Across yeah, all te- age teenagers categories. Teenagers score 70 points. Right. Uh, and the, anyone over 75 is a th- 100 points. Right? 100 points, yeah. 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 And so, so the big scores are infants, old people, and teenagers, which right. it, it makes it sound like it's sort of a national population control thing. <laughs> Get rid of the old, suppress the birth rate. Could could right. because women there's a bounty for women more than men, but right, yeah, I'm not sure what what they were going for in terms of the message about the the way the scoring system was implemented. I'm not sure there was a message as well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think there was. I mean, I do understand that the film is kind of satirical, and it, it's poking fun at the at the violence of our culture. Well, and our our media right. as well. Right, our media. Yeah. Um. So there's. Essentially, pit stops, right? There, there's places where they all stop. Right. And they all check in. And that gives a chance for there to be nudity. Um, and to get your car checked. And <laughs> yeah, have bombs right, placed inside right. of it. And to and get and into fist <laughs> fights. And, and, yeah, have massages, topless massages. Um, one interesting thing about that is at the first kind of pit stop, that's the first scene where, the, where everybody's naked getting massages. But evidently, Sylvester Stallone did not want to be in that scene. And, like, went to his trailer. Like, no, I'm not doing it. And my theory on this is he had had a background in doing porn. And right. he didn't want to go back to that. And, and evidently the director or the producer was like, hey, I'm making a TNA movie here. You're going to be in this scene. Just wrap a towel around yourself. <laughs> so, so he actually came down and, and did it. But at the, there can be more story when the drivers can interact in various places. It, it gives time sort of right. for, for, for them all to be together. Because otherwise, they, you know, they take different routes and you're not going to have them interact much. So, yeah, it, you know, it, that route would have led to something more introspective and character driven, like if Melchior's story, rather than the, yeah, didn't, the gore fest with explosions and some of the worst looking fake blood I have ever seen. It is bad. <laughs> I, I don't know at what point Hollywood kind of transitioned into more realistic looking blood squibs and stuff. But yeah, th- th- back then it was horrible. I mean, this stuff kind of looked like it came out of a hamburger. I mean, it was kind of orange yeah. and had chunks in it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there was there was a transition period between black and white and and color where where whatever they'd been using for blood in black and white totally worked because it was black and white because it was black and oh, white. Right. Yeah. But then didn't work in color and then it took them a while to adjust to it. I don't know. But, but it, we yeah, had color better. for at least 10 years yeah, at that point. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm trying to give them a break for no it. No excuse, Roger. Yeah. Come on, buddy. We want to <laughs> re-release the film and colorize it. Really what it was probably is water, flower and food coloring. Probably. And it's, if I'm being honest, and I, from what we know about the budget, that would right. not surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. So, um, But so some stuff happens at the pit stops. Like there's, in the, in the book, the, or the story, the lady who calls him a butcher is named Muriel, right? Right. In the story, there's kind of a stand-in for that where this woman comes and introduces herself to him, and her name's Lori. And she tells him, you know, I want you to know my name to make it more special. And he's confused. What are you talking about? Are you going to have sex with me or something? And, and, and she's, she's like part of the chapter of the Frankenstein lovers right? of wherever they were. Yeah, she sounds like a fan club person. Right. The Frankenstein um, groupies. And the interesting thing on that one is, I, I think I commented to Colin, they didn't choose her based on looks, did they? Because <laughs> not, not exactly uh, <laughs> right. top shelf. Um, New. 
the, you know, the the <clears throat> mechanics and, and everybody, they, they were the more attractive people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not mechanics. And more screen time. Navigators. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, we haven't mentioned David Carradine's persona, Frankenstein, uh, which is an innovation for the film. Yeah. Very, it's quite different. And it's the kind of thing I approve of. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense to have a larger-than-life character in there. I mean, it's not like Machine Gun Joe wasn't larger-than-life as well, because he certainly was. He almost steals the show in several I, places. I think he does, totally. I mean, to, to me, the, the, the highlight of the film is him. Yeah, standing up in his car, shooting a machine gun. Yeah, and do, doing the Rambo face. Yeah, yeah. that was good. <laughs> and you commented, <clears throat> and he'd, <laughs> he'd make money on that for another 20 years, or <laughs> 40 years. For longer. Yeah. He's still doing it. Expendables 9. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, right. <laughs> Airplane 2, where there's the poster, Rocky 36 or something. It oh. shows like this really, really old-looking <laughs> boxer. Yeah. But, okay, so back to Frankenstein. Right, so the story on him is that he's had terrible crashes, and he's been burned and maimed and mutilated, and he's had arms replaced and hips replaced, and his skull is... Like just all a metal plate now. Face is all disfigured, yes. and he wears a mask, like a lucha libre mask. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> a, yeah, when they show him on camera <clears throat> for the first time, yeah, you see like he has like there's like three round holes. There's a big one around yeah. one eye. There's a big round another other a big hole around another eye with tons of scar tissue, mm-hmm. and then a place for his mouth. Yeah. And he looks he looks pretty messed up he at does. that point. Right. And of course, then there's the big reveal where she pulls the thing down, and there's harp music. <laughs> Do you remember that? There's actual <laughs> yeah. harp music. <laughs> and then like violins and stuff. And what do you expect? Another pretty face. Like, are we supposed to think he's really good looking? Oh, so one thing that I found interesting in the film was the profanity that they used. Now, Sylvester Stallone, yeah, he he dropped a couple of choice words, although not very much, really. And it's definitely not no. rated R for language. It's rated R for right. violence Nudity. and boobs. But the swearing in it, like, for instance, Junior Bruce, Jesus Chrysler. And then later somebody <laughs> said Chrysler, which reminds me of Brave New World, where there's their society is built around Henry Ford. And so it's the year of our Ford or um, the, <laughs> oh, right. whatever year after Ford. And that's right, actually right. what they will say. They'll say, well, our Ford, my Ford, instead of Lord. So I, it seems to me it has to be a reference in some way to that. Mm-hmm. Or just a generic corporations are bad kind of Hollywood pabulum. Right. Which comes out in the remake more. It does. It totally does. Yeah. Um, I also want to mention Junior Bruce. I, to me, Jimmy Fallon could just step in and do that role exactly the same way. I mean, I think he could have done it and you wouldn't have ever known that it was somebody different. Somebody needs to tell him. I'll, I'll tell him. I'll email him. We're good buds. Yeah. There you go. Your yeah. dear friend, Jimmy Fallon. Yes, a dear friend of mine. Uh, so let's talk about kind of favorite things about it. I mentioned Sylvester Stallone. Um, I just I, I loved everything he did. So. Right. <laughs> Except for the worst fist fight in the history of film. Especially, yeah, especially kind of right. put him away. Yeah, especially yeah. after they live, you know, most fist fights aren't going to measure up. No. True. But that one, yeah, it was pretty sad. Anything any any topics to discuss that you guys want to talk about? I th- we don't need to talk much more about. I don't know. My favorite part of the film was the hand grenade. The hand, the hand grenade, grenade that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh very very kind of randomly meta. I don't know. Like yeah. like oh, I know what we could do. It's a hand grenade. <laughs> It was totally random. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My favorite part was the greasers playing chicken, where like, oh, yeah. like three guys who stepped in <laughs> off of Happy Days in their Fonzie right. outfits or or out of grease, are come up. They're standing in the middle of the road where there's a manhole, right? And the manhole's mm-hmm. open, and uh, I think it was Calamity Jane's coming along, 
And I think so. And they're getting ready to play chicken. And her navigator says to her, chicken in a basket. And she says, chicken in a casket. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they all they all jump down. The first two guys jump down. But the second guy pulls the cover. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the other guy gets hit. He got scored. But then the best part of that is that then the other two guys look up and kind of laugh at him and get run over by machine gun jelly. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that was kind of... Th- right. There were a couple pretty grim moments, but they were so fakey that... Right. That it... It's it's almost like it wasn't a violent movie. It was it was more humorous than violent. Maybe that's one of the reasons for the orange blood. Could be. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That that would be. I'd be curious. Are to you, know. are you supposing, Colin, that he went for the humor factor in the in the gore? Oh, he absolutely went for the humor. <laughs> yeah. Factor. So you know, one of the things that Melchior mentioned <laughs> on the special features that we watched was that he he greatly preferred the original Death Race two thousand over the remake. Yes, because oh, it okay. lost that whole comic and you know making fun of the violence and the media and the right. Yeah, it wasn't nearly as satirical. It was a little more straight no. up serious. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting, and we'll we'll get back to talking about that. Yeah, but I, I think that's its only redeeming value as far as I was concerned. The new movie, the, the remake. As it no, was. no, the original. Oh, the is original. You can oh, look okay. at it and say you. yes. You know, we're 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 satirizing violence in athletics and worshiping right. it in the media mm-hmm. and aggrandizing things which are bad. A lot of violence as entertainment, period, not necessarily sports, but yeah. Yeah. So one other highlight for me was Mercy Hospital, <laughs> where, where it's <laughs> yeah. Euthanasia Day. You know, they, they, <laughs> they run all the old people out into the street for Frankenstein to run over. Day. And I like that then, I think it was maybe a nod to the book when he, where, where he doesn't hit them. He, he goes, runs he over the doctors He runs instead. over the doctors, yeah, <laughs> which was hilarious. But yeah, that, that, was, that was one. Which I couldn't I have just been that as many points. It, it reminded me of Idiocracy. Mercy Hospital, with, where they set out oh, the old right. people to get run over. It reminded me of an Idiocracy, St. God's Memorial Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, normally when I take notes during a movie about things I want to talk about, it's a page to a page and a half. Here I wrote down six things. This idea that the Frankenstein that we see is not the original Frankenstein. There's been a whole series of them. And as that Frankenstein wears out or gets burned out or gets, you know, killed in the race they replace that frankenstein with a new one so that the myth of frankenstein can continue because he's a popular character you know it's kind of like you know your favorite uh, superhero in a comic book Mm -hmm. if your superhero dies you look for them in a parallel universe or to be reborn cloned uncloned have their thoughts transferred to someone else sure uh be replaced by alien scroll invaders just whatever (laughs) you want right it's almost impossible to die in the comic book universe so same kind of thing if frankenstein dies they get a new one and our current frankenstein is not the last frankenstein there's one more Frankenstein that technically shows up in the movie. That's true. Yeah. In in the most obvious twist in cinema. Yes. Th- so this is one major problem that I have with the film is there's no subtlety to it at all. And mm-hmm. I I thought it was a major mistake to reveal early on who the mole was. Cuz I th- that could The mole or the mole? <laughs> Cuz the mole was that blonde lady that rode with machine gun Joe. That's true. But yeah. the um, no, the the mole. You know who who, who was working for right. the rebels. We for didn't even know pain. that. Yeah, I I was very surprised that that we learned that when we did. I thought it would have made the movie better having that revealed later because you have Frankenstein start to have a suspicion. Yes, and it would have been right. interesting if the if we didn't know that he was right or wrong. Don't don't don't. We won't spoil that. Of course, it is a B movie, which kind of yeah, necessitates not betterness. So that's okay. So that's one other thing about the movie: shot in fifteen days. Oh wow! Yeah, nice. So I mean, that's that's turning the movie out, yeah. and, and and it shows. It totally shows. Yeah. The other thing is, of course, those cars couldn't go one hundred and eighty miles an hour, and so they had them go as fast right. as they could, and then <laughs> sped up the footage. <laughs> yes. So the, the actors actually did quite a bit of the driving, not not the stunt driving, but um, right. the actual just driving on the roads. So. Given that they only had one car, that's taking a pretty big it risk. It is, yeah. 
Um, oh, one other favorite moment is the kind of Wiley e. Coyote fate of uh, the Nazi one. Matilda the Hun. Matilda, Matilda the Hun. Hun. Yeah, where a detour. That's just what I need now. <laughs> Off the cliff. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's like 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 in in the Road Runner, right? Where the Road Runner paints a or or the uh, Coyote paints a tunnel. Right. Into the, the side, side of a hill. Yeah. Yes. So there was one thing that I wanted to make sure to bring up because Mr. President gives the speech at the beginning about how he tries to uphold our way of life and he expounds on a couple of things and one of the things that he says is minority privilege. And oh yeah, <laughs> James right. James had no idea what that actually meant. <laughs> at the time I didn't get get what minority privilege meant because the, the, the second he said minority privilege I'm like minorities there's no minorities in this film. Yeah, no black people, no Asian people, <laughs> right. no Hispanic people. Yeah, it was all white. Like people. the entire Not even any French people. White is yeah. sliced bread, and then and then it dawned to me, oh right, minority as in the few. Yes. And then they got their you know the privileged few. Okay, I get it yeah. now. Yeah. So I thought that was funny. <laughs> we were walking down the hall. It's like I didn't I didn't get that minority privilege thing because there's no more minorities in the movie. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's hard to the the, the book has more of a redemption arc even though it's much shorter. Yeah. Where with with the film, you can we... Spo- I mean, we're going to have to kind of spoil it if we want to talk any more about this. Uh, yeah. So, spoiler alert. Go look. It, it's on Netflix, on the Amazon Instant, right. at your local library. Um, so, I, I mean, the movie is 40 years old, so I think we can, right. we can spoil it. But, yeah. so we find out at some point that Frankenstein mm-hmm. has it out for the president, right? Right, right. But he still runs people over... On his way to get there, because I guess because he has to win, he has. Yeah, well, he wants the, to get to the end. Well, so he has to win because he needs that no, handshake no, he, he with has, the president. He has to right? win, so he shakes hands with the president. Yeah, so I guess, the winner I guess that makes sense. the president. So yeah, they're they're necessary sacrifices for his cause, right? Yes. But but he was there was a few instances where he was targeting, quote unquote, the more evil people. Right when he dropped like, his glove, yeah. and then the, right. the the pope came out and picked right. it up, and he ran him over. Right. Um, <laughs> And then the doctors and nurses instead of the elderly people. I didn't. So, Colin, you mentioned though that he was not the last iteration of Frankenstein in the movie. Well, the way I watched it, there was one more Frankenstein. Wait. Somebody else wore his clothes. Someone else wore his clothes to finish the race. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah, the the the, the, <laughs> the way right. that played out at the end was a little too pat, a little too. Yeah. Would that yeah. kill him? You know. Right. Yeah. Um. But. Whatever, you know, I'm yeah. kind of willing to forgive it. And, I mean, this is, it's a pretty well-regarded film. Like, kind of summing up, I, I can't say that it's one of the best things I've ever seen, but it's it's really, I mean, I don't know what it is, like 89% 84%. Yeah. Really? So, yeah, that's surprising. Yeah, quite I think quite it's more remembered with fondness than anything of real Yeah, value. I mean, you can make an argument that it stood for something, right? I mean, it had a, it had a message. Mm-hmm. And so, in that sense, it's kind of successful, even though... Most of the performances are awful. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, well, except dialogue. for Sylvester Stallone. Right. Well, yeah, he elevated the material, right. I thought. Except for but, the stallion. Right. <laughs> but, but yeah, Carradine was, was nothing to write home about. His navigator was terribly wooden. Pretty. Pretty. That's her job, right? Yeah. Your job is to look good naked. Yeah, I, I yep. wondered if, if in interviewing for all the, all the female leads, they're like, yeah, read the line. Actually, never mind. Just take your top off. And <laughs> if that was the way it worked. Might have been. So, yeah, summing up, it, it, is it worth seeing? There's obviously, I mean, content warning. Obviously, we've mentioned there's quite a bit of nudity right. in it. There's not much language. The gore is nothing to really write home about. It's fakey. Right. But, but yeah, the, the major major thing, it's not a kid's movie. Definitely not. Nope, no. 
And they might find it a little boring, too. I, I found it a little boring. Yeah. So the second time I watched it, actually, I found it funny. Funnier than the first time I, I watched it. I found it funny and yeah. kind of campy and funny. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely campy. Yeah. 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 I didn't like it. Okay. So not, not a huge fan of the story. Not a big fan of Death Race 2000. Not a big fan of Death Race 2000. All right. So let's move on then. Well, on to Death Race. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Death Race from 2008, you said? Yes. 2008. As we mentioned, it's not really a, a readaptation of the story. It doesn't really go back to the source material, mm-hmm. but it kind of plays out almost as a prequel to the original film. Yeah, there are several nods back and forth to it. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, I thought, I thought there were, I definitely saw a couple nods. And I thought if you're going to do a remake, it's probably the right way to do it where it's not that similar, but you just have a few nods back to it. Yeah. So it's a Jason right. Statham vehicle, and I'm, implied, I'm inclined to uh, enjoy it just because Man Crush. Tyrese Gibson was in it too. Tyrese Gibson. Joan Allen. Joan Allen. Ooh-hoo. Ian McShane. Ian McShane. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And then everybody else from Central Casting. Yeah. Right. They're the Mexican guys from Central Casting, the Asian guys from Central <laughs> Casting, the white supremacist kind of guys from Central Casting. Yeah. I like it. The yeah. Russian guys from Central Casting. Right. So what did it keep from the either source material or from the other film? Oh, precisely. That's exactly cars. one of the things I wanted to talk about. There were cars. What did you want to talk about? The kind of evolution of themes. Because okay. in Bring my it. mind, there was a... De- I was going to say devolution, but de-evolution of themes. <laughs> yes, and if you position it as a prequel, it <clears throat> sort of works that way. But Maybe. The only, that's another thing, too. I didn't really see this film as a prequel, except if you thought about it from the perspective that they've kind of you know, bred this form of entertainment in the prison only to make it more widespread throughout the country. Right, after, after some disaster yeah. that wipes out a lot of the infrastructure. So in my, my this de-evolution of themes, uh, so in the story you have the, the anti-violence kind of for entertainment theme. Sure. And then from that, from the Death Race 2000 kind of evolved beyond that to include the more political-minded themes of rebelling against, uh, you know, a sure. Kind of it's not so much just entertainment. Government and yeah. things like that. And, and even in Death Race 2000, it's not so much just entertainment, but it's like encouraged by the government and right. by the religious institutions. And then you get to the 2008 remake, Death Race, and... I think most of those themes have already I've gone away. Yeah, uh, it's, there, it's, there's no there's no criticism for violence as a form of entertainment, really. Um, there's no there's no really no political message anywhere. An old anti-violence message. Yeah, it's just a story of hey, there's this race. It's more of a it's a Jason Statham story. The story is completely different than the right. story from the movie and the story and yeah. the uh, book, except for evil corporations. Yes, the corporations are the reason that it exists, right. right? Because we've had the same fall in the United States. Yeah, and the prisons right. have been uh, privatized. privatized. Prisons have been yeah. privatized. Yeah. And so yeah. to make money to support them, they broadcast violence. You know, in my mind, it's, it's, its message was more along the line of they live than anything else. <laughs> right. It was kind of like the running man. That, that's right. what it more reminded me of, where mm-hmm. you take prisoners and you put them into yeah, a exactly. death sport. I, I, yeah. to, in, to me, it, it changed from Death Race 2000 and yeah. The Racer. And no, I'd, I'd agree. I think it's a completely different story. I I um I put out a, a post on the Worlds Without End forums and one of the administrators uh, replied about about Death Race and he talking about the <laughs> Statham one he says I do remember seeing the Statham Noise Fest it was noisy and stupid in all the right ways if you're just looking for some smash 'em up violence I thought that's pretty much the perfect quote it's precisely what that movie was yeah there is another good one here let me pull it out it's um the movie is legitimately greasy authentically nasty with good old fashioned sense of laying waste to everything in sight but it's weak when it comes to things like plot, character, and acting, but it's very good at provoking visceral reactions. 
Sure. Right. So it's the the concept is not quite as broad as as the story or the other book. Right. Because it's set in the that kind of prison world. And so you have to find a way to get Jason Statham into the prison, you know. Right. And so there's that kind of unnecessary who killed my wife and framed me to get me in prison mm-hmm. thing that goes on. I guess it's to make you feel good about the way the movie ends. I I think it's more to make you relate to Jason Statham's character. Yeah, Maybe, it's supposed to make him likable. He's inherently yeah. relatable though, because he just seems like kind of a right. He's a, a really really man, just just kind of good looking and buff every man. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> well, and he had to go to prison <laughs> to become a criminal. True. Yeah. Well, no, right. he he had already uh, done some time upstate. Yeah, but not at, at right. the at the point when he was taken to. to he was prison. reformed. He's a family man now, right? Just trying yeah. to trying to make ends meet when bad stuff happens. Right. I I have to say I I quite enjoyed Death Race two thousand eight on in in that level with that that the world's without end Death guy Race you said mean just Death Race oh yes Death Race <laughs> not Death Race two thousand eight I'm not saying I didn't enjoy the movie actually I thought it was pretty cool and it was fun to the action was fun it mm-hmm. was a, it was a fun dude movie well but, it was but, it was car modification you know I right. mean it, it was like uh, American Chopper with right. with uh, <laughs> weapons yeah weapons. with vehicles yeah yes. with with Vulcan cannons on them or, or Gatling guns that never ran out of ammo. Well, yeah, but actually, didn't they get did. tired. I mean, it's like okay, great. There was a little Frankenstein's in front, and they're going to shoot up the tombstone. The tombstone's going to fall off, and right. yeah. That's but then they brought in the uh, I don't even know what they called it. The, dreadnought. The dreadnought. That was That's cool. It. The dreadnought was pretty cool. <laughs> I liked that. A bit over the top, but awesome. Oh, the whole movie is over the top. Well, yeah, it's true. Um, so one one budget, <laughs> which uh, goes back to the director's whole purpose of this making this movie, which I don't know if you want to go into that now, but. We might as well. Yeah, bring it. Yeah, sure. Did, you, did you guys, did you watch the, you didn't watch it, did you? No. Yeah. So um, in the director's, uh, the commentary, maker, he went the, the making of the movie, bonus uh-huh. feature. Um, the director has said that he wanted to make a Death Race movie that was more, a little bit darker, uh, more realistic violence, and not as campy as the original one. In that and, sense, and he which succeeded. I, th- I think he did a good job at that, but I think in doing that, he... Again, back to my de-evolution of themes, had lost what the, the movie and story were <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. Let's <laughs> take the only good part of the movie that people right. enjoyed right. out. Yeah. What are we left with? Yeah, there's uh, no heart to he, it. He, he, he took out yeah. anything that was remotely thought-provoking or critical, mm-hmm. and just did all this action and violence, which I'm not totally opposed to. It makes for a cool right. action flick, but sure. it's pretty brainless. Oh, it's so. def- yeah, it's, it's very <laughs> brainless. Um, a budget. I think to mention the budget. This, oh, yes. The, the, the remake was not a fantastically large budget movie, $45 million. But that's a lot when you compare it to 300000 <laughs> yeah. And when in the behind-the-scenes stuff, I saw that with the upkeep of the vehicles that they modded and all the, the weapons that they put on them and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. was two hundred and fifty k per car. <laughs> so that's the entire budget of the original mind. movie minus David Carradine's salary for, for each car in the remake. So, yeah, there's no rebellion. It's just prisoners... Who they're trying to drive. If you win five races and you don't die, then you can be released from prison. Right. Right. So let's talk about um, nods <clears throat> to the original. Uh, Frankenstein is the name of the main driver. There was a guy named Frankenstein. And he's replaceable. And he is replaceable. Because at, at the beginning of the film, he's essentially killed, I think. And, and then they want to replace him with another good driver who just happens to fortunately come into the prison, Jason Statham. To be framed for the right. murder of his wife. Yes. Right. And well, they brought him in quite purposefully. It, which it is, does seem which so, Which is, yeah. like, debatable. Well, that's that's like, really? kind of what he's um, he's trying to figure out, if they brought him here on purpose. Because right. he actually says something like, wow, isn't it fortunate, then, that I landed here right, right yeah. now? 
because Frankenstein's a huge, huge ratings pull for right. him. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of like Running Man with Ben Richards, you know. Yeah. Did you right. happen to catch the viewership numbers that they were saying on the show? How many people were watching every millions. of the three? Yeah, there were millions. millions. And yeah. at $99 yeah. per viewing. Oh, right. Yeah. That's a cash cow. Then, yeah, yeah they made over a billion dollars right. on in three days. Wow. Yeah, I think um, at the point where they had had the dreadnought come out, I think they said they had like forty-four million viewers or something. Yeah, yeah. That's and granted, you know, maybe they took the nuts. you know watch all three days for two hundred and fifty dollars package. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> which is a, like a twenty percent discount, but even then, yeah. it's a lot of money. Which is interesting when you when you note that when you look at the original film, you know, three hundred thousand dollar budget, five million dollar return right right and this one here we have 45 million dollar budget made 75 million it's essentially a flop yeah even though it made more it, money it made back its money yeah. but but the budget doesn't include stuff like distribution and, and advertising that kind of stuff i don't think hmm. so it uh, who knows how much it did internationally but it, it didn't stop right. it for, stop them from making at least one two, sequel two, two more two more okay yeah so yeah lists gets Which to um, crazy. continue on i think both both sequels were uh, direct to dvd though yeah, so like I said, you know, I enjoyed it, James. It sounds like you enjoyed it, yeah, it for fun. what it was. <laughs> but when we're looking at this as an exercise in adapting a story or or re- remaking a previous movie, right. it doesn't do much. And they they really, I think, could have remade the original in in a much more straightforward manner with that kind of budget, and probably made something. Pretty I think awesome. it would have been interesting yeah. to remake the original as you know, and in, as a transcontinental race. Yeah. With all the characters the way they were. And, so something something we should mention. themes in it. The, in the remake film, th- there's no scoring, right? You, 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 right. Just, you just finish the race. That's it. Right, right. And if you finish first, then you win. And there is somebody who gets run down by a car, and it's kind of played for comedy. But it's much more gruesome right. than anything in Death Race 2000. Totally. I think, I think scoring was just a, a by, uh, byproduct of it. And it worked in your favor because it got rid of other racers. <laughs> yeah, eliminated yeah. the competition. So I think if they That's had done more of a straight up remake and had it been the whole trans- transcontinental mm-hmm. thing and had them running down people, I don't know if that would have played as well now. Oh, it would have been, I think, a little too in your face. There's no way that they would have kind of pulled back at all on any of the violence. It, w- it would have been nasty. Right. Uh, True, because it would have been th- way more realistic. <laughs> yeah, I th- yeah, I think, especially with the effects budget. They and had. I think it would have pushed it over into B movie territory, and they didn't want to do that. Mm, so maybe. I don't know. Okay, I figured out something that I like about the movie. Okay. I like the fact that you had to run over the little uh, garbage can lids in that order was cool. to get your weapons and your right. shields. It was like a video and game. And the death's head. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I bet this adapted really well into a video game. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, it reminded me True. of Spy Hunter. Yeah. Remember playing that in the oh, arcades? Oh, yeah. Down, 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 down. Oh, I played it on a C64. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, I like that too, that, that you had to do that in order yeah. to activate your power-ups. That, yeah. was, that was cool. This is one of those ones where, as you mentioned, like trying to take notes on stuff. Right. And in in the new movie, what what are you going to write? There was, down? Well, there was a, there was well two things I wrote down that I noticed in the movie. Uh, the first one was the so you had that Chinese guy, fourteen k fourteen k. We were always he was always most for the most part always speaking in Chinese or some right. Yeah, I think I know where you're English going. and Chinese. Yeah, and then towards the end, the end <laughs> where he like. Where he says die. the word only in English, yeah. and it pops up the reverse subtitle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was, thought that was hilarious. that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he should have stuck with the Mortal Kombat series. Yeah, probably. Was that what he was from? He, yeah, okay, that's right. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what he was from, and yeah, he was the okay. Luke Kang. Luke Kang. So. But there was there was another thing too with um, Jason Statham and uh, Ian McShane. Yes, when they're they're in the um, the yard together, mm-hmm. it was just the two of them, 
uh, and you can see the corner of the, the walls or whatever. And if you pause it at the right point, you can see you can see the walls. <laughs> they look like they took some concrete blocks, stacked them up, and covered them with black trash bags. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> they look very plastic. Like you can see the ripples in the in the plastic and something. I don't know. I don't know nice. if that's what they did, but that sure is what it looks like. Nice. <laughs> This is going to be an interesting exercise in, we, uh, in ranking them. Because mm. <laughs> right. I'm not sure on what basis to rank them. Yes. I, so have we wrapped up the second movie? Is there anything else to talk about in the second movie? Uh, there's no nudity. I thought that was a bonus. No nudity. Tons of language. Tons oh, yeah, of language. True. So it's and another gore, hard R. Like actual real down. violence. Uh, I, I think that's pretty wrapped. Yeah. It's, it's hard to yeah. come up with <laughs> a lot wrapped. to talk about. about. Really, any of them. So I think for a ranking, then we kind of have to figure out some sort of like a tribute factor or something because yeah, I almost want to recuse myself from ranking them because they're completely different stories and movies and everything else. No, see, I would I would argue that Death Race Two Thousand is an adaptation of of the racer. Right? Are you, are you talking about ranking I, I the think, movies I against think, each other? Yeah. Okay. So if if we were just going to rank the movies, I would think I would say Death Race over Death Race Two Thousand, just because. In terms I of which one you'd watch again? Right. Yeah. In terms of which one would I watch again? Sure. <laughs> but as far as you know, taking the the book story and then the movie story, I'm going to go with Death Race Two Thousand and, and the, the short story over Death right. Race because it. Doesn't even hold true to the right story. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it in terms of like legacy or something, you know, Death Race is a completely right. forgettable movie. Whereas yeah, Death Race exactly. Two Thousand, it spawned other movies. It, it did, spawned a yeah. comic book series. It's mm-hmm. it's still popular. Yeah, and so, you know, I, I, know, I usually do it just in terms of what I enjoyed the most, and I'm kind of surprised to say that I enjoyed Death Race the most. Right. Um, of the three. Of the three, yeah. And I don't know if it's just I was in the right mood for it. Uh, or what but yeah it, it was like the guy in worlds without end said it was it was big and stupid in just the mm. right way if that's what you're in the mood for and i totally was <laughs> but so how is death race 2000 different in that fashion then for you because we are talking personal right yeah sure and to me it's just it's a little a little boring the deliveries and the the acting yeah. is so bad that i would say and, in that and, fashion the death race 2000 can't be can't be as all hell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and they deliver it, like you said, the acting is just horrible. Yeah. And o- outside of Sylvester Stallone. Like if I could right. cut together just his scenes right. and watch it, I'd probably watch that on a loop. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh but the rest of it, yeah. I have some yeah. clam sauce. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I hold the keys of life and death or whatever he said. Yeah, well I hold the clam sauce. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think on, on that basis alone, that you know, we can quote a line and you know the line. That's true. <laughs> of course you know lines anyway, and you I do. you laugh and enjoy Good it. Point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean th- that's that's I guess the thing that would push it. Right. To the See, top, if if I let it, but but then you know I don't know. It's right. it's a little more objectionable too, just in the fact that the 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 amount of needless nudity in the film. Yeah, right. So that that's my argument. If we're, if we're basing it on like story, something that actually has a message to it, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Death Race 2000 and the yeah. the short story. Yeah. See, I'd like to right. rank the short story first. But I just didn't really care for it that much. Yeah. Well, this completely upsets the table about the the first thing, the first way you encounter something is what you, the way you want to rank it. Because I read the story, and then yeah, I watched right. Death Race 2000, and then I watched the remake, and I have no idea what to rank first. So I'm going to pass. So. Colin, you go. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I really didn't like either of the movies. I liked the short story better, because I thought it had you know an arc. It um, I understood the short story better once I read the, or heard the authors talking about it, mm-hmm. that it was making fun of the violence, because I was just kind of left with... 
okay, great. They're running over, killing people. And at the end, the guy feels sorry for it, but he doesn't even full, get fully redeemed at the end. And so you're always just kind of left hanging. And maybe that's what the author meant. And I just didn't, I didn't pick it up and I needed to be told about it to see what his intent was. Yeah. But if the intent's not in the story and right. you don't, you don't listen to our podcast or watch Ib Melchior's interview, you're not going to get it either. <laughs> right. And so right. out of anything that we've done, I like this set the least. I would agree. Like the, the, the overall score of the right. three things that we, that we discussed, uh, none of them yeah. would rank. I'm having a hard time ranking them. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, if, if we're going order. with in that kind of idea, the story is, is kind of crappy. Mm-hmm. The Death Race 2000 is downright crappy. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the 2008 remake is like, you know, sewage. Sure. Oh, come on, man. It's good, good, clean fun. Hey, if you need fertilizer, it's great. <laughs> right. Okay. But if you're looking for something else, man, it's, it's not there. Okay. You know, this this makes me think that we've been doing the pounder rankings. You know, I've been putting that in all the show notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we never really talked about what it means that we're, the way we're ranking them because we might rank something first place in a field of three, right? And it still not be something that we recommend. So. It might be that we need some kind of notation, like an asterisk, on there I for. I think so far we've recommended, recommended everything we've read, though. Yeah, yeah. Because you got Planet of the Apes was awesome. The Feral the Master was cool. This yeah. is the first they thing we've done. It was fantastic. We're <laughs> kind of struggling with is like we didn't like it. We're what do we even talk recommend about it? Yeah. And going so, into it, I thought it'd be so much cooler. <laughs> yeah, me too, actually. Um, and it, it kind of makes for a fun discussion. I'm still yeah, going to drive along and sidewalk and see, oh, score, score, score. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and yeah, like, like you mentioned, Colin, I, I, I will repeat some Machine Gun Joe <laughs> lines. Yes, you will. I love when he runs over his pit crew. <laughs> and you can totally see it coming. Like anybody who slights him in any, any way, you're like, oh, you're so dead. Right. Yeah. Um, and when Calamity Jane apologizes... And wishes everybody well. It's like, oh, you are so dead. See, that's, yeah. that's the thing about, about Death Race Marked 2000. Death. That's that's what makes it so hard for me to recommend it is because it's it lacks mm-hmm. subtlety. It's so predictable. Right. Extremely. Uh, yeah. So the movie was kind of up there, too. You knew that he didn't kill, and you're like, okay, great. So he's being framed so that he can go to prison. And, oh, by the mm-hmm. way, they need a driver. And Yeah. Because Frankenstein out, died in the beginning of the quickly. movie. Yes. Oh, which, which is something we missed. David Carradine is in both movies. Really? Yes. Is okay. Frankenstein. Is he the original Frankenstein? He is. Or awesome. Previous okay. Frankenstein. Yeah, he does a voiceover. It's probably okay. Jason Statham behind the metal mask. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it his different. voice. Okay, well, that's cool. I, I like that huh. kind of a nod. Crazy. <laughs> okay, so James, you need to rank still. Yeah, Seth is still thinking. No, I, I kind of, I recuse myself. <laughs> You're not even ranking. <laughs> James takes the fifth. I subsequently recuse myself for this yes. ranking. So maybe at the top of our podcast, we need to say, wow, we really struggled with this. You know, go watch, go listen to last week's instead. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not saying I wouldn't recommend anybody not see any of these or, or read the story. It's just I can't give a strong recommendation. I think for, for a mindless action flick, I would definitely recommend Death Race. It was yeah. still a fun movie to watch and watch cars blow up and... Well, Things like that. And it can be fun to watch a bad, you know, kind of B-movie cult right. classic kind of thing. Alienation. And, and, and after watching yeah. the uh, behind the scenes like for that. Death Race, I kind of have a bit of a respect for the effects in that movie. Yeah. Because that, they use very minimal CG. Yeah. And it was pretty awesome. Are you, you're talking about the Death Race 2000, you said? No, no, Death Race. Death Race. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. no. I, I mean, they, they tried to minimize effects. the CG they used, and yeah. the director brought in lots of stunt people and, like, special effects guys to make this... As real as possible. And yeah. Well, I would, I I would that extend cool. that to, to Death Race 2000, where, where you look at the constraints yeah, in which true. they were working and what they ended up coming out with. Coming out with right. It, it had its high points. Actually, that scene where the um, 
the navigator gets run over. It's a really cool shot down that road where you can just oh, see right. the car in the distance. Yeah. As Calamity Jane's just relaxing in the car. But <laughs> in terms of producing something that has had such staying power on that kind of budget, I'm impressed. Right. It doesn't mean I really like it. I think I might recommend seeing Death Me 2000 once just so you yeah, just have to be culturally kind of aware cultural of it. reference yeah. it references that it imposes on us because it does. Yeah. But after that, eh. You can throw it away. <laughs> go to the library yeah. and get it. Yeah. Catch it on AMC where it's cut. <laughs> right. There we go. Yeah. I, I mean, particularly go, yeah. from, from a, a family man perspective, it's... Oh, yeah. yeah. Catch it on... A bit of that's unnecessary. Yeah. It's all gratuitous. I right. Mean, every, every bit of it. There's there's no reason for any of the nudity to exist right. in any way. Or or to even have the, the navigator and the driver share a bedroom. All right. So that was uh, Death Race. Death Racer. So, yes, that is Death Race. Not strongly recommended by the Pavement Pounders. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. What are we going to do next, Seth? That is, I'm glad you asked me that, Colin. Um, next, we are actually we're going to have a slightly longer than normal cadence between now and the next one. It'll be probably three weeks before we get the next one posted because we are going to be attending Real Science, R-E-E-L, Science, at the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry and seeing Jurassic Park and hearing a talk by mm-hmm. a paleontologist. And so we are all now presently reading Jurassic Park. You've probably finished haven't started yet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I own the book, so I, I was gonna I've say, read it several Colin times. Colin will start it this right. afternoon and be finished by the time James and I pick it up again. <laughs> so we will be reading that. We'll be watching the film, and we will be talking about just both of those and, and, and the experience at OMSI. Yeah. So not, not our typical format, not the one that we really want to be doing, although now that you know, we right. went back to the classic format and eh. Bad choice of content, though. The format Maybe. itself isn't bad. Yeah. You know, the other thing I think we should mention is there is a chance that we will have family members at the movie. That's true. And you know, children. I've had my kids read the book, and you know, if if significant others and other sons read books, we we could do some choice sound bites. Yes. Like right. you know, what you know, having read the book, what did you think about the movie? What did you like? What did you not like? What did you miss? And then then we could do some fill in around that. Yeah, I will take full responsibility for choosing <laughs> this week's material um, <laughs> because it was my it was my idea to do Death Race 2000. Well, we wanted to go back to the old format right, with a short story get... with two movies, and so out of what we had, knew about, I think you made a good call. Yeah, and you know, I'm glad that I've seen it now. Right. Uh, like I said, I'm yeah. glad I saw it at least once. Okay, so right. <laughs> we, like we said, our next next episode Anything. will be about Jurassic Park. So if you would like to send us your thoughts, if you have read the book, if you've seen the movie, since this is something that the book's been out for years, the movie's been out for years, you've probably already done both, and you would like to get your thoughts read out on the show, then all you need to do is go up to our website, which is pavementpodcast.com, and go to the Contact Us page, and either fill out the form there, or there's an email link also, which is just feedback at pavementpodcast.com, or you can find any of the social media stuff, Facebook, Twitter, we are actively searching for feedback. All right, so I think we're all done here. Uh, so until next time, thank you again for listening, and may the road rise up to meet you, and may the book always fall open to where you left off. Thank you. Cheers. Goodbye. Score the navigator. We don't invite your feedback. No, totally not. Shut up, take it, and like it. Loved by thousands, hated by millions. You want to make a silent pause? We've already had several of those. (laughs) (laughs) Those were pregnant pauses. They have given birth to other pauses. I'll do it. I won't do it. I'd be a schmuck to do it. Just pause it. Just pause it. Pause it. Woo! I did it. I'm no schmuck. What have you done, Tyrone? I mean, it's not like Machine Gun. Sure. And go to the contact section. Yes, sir. A clean hit. A perfect hit. You all suck. 
<laughs> but so do we. Save it for the French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. Now that is the dumbest, sorriest thing I've ever heard you say. Better but... stop before I start tearing up, man. <laughs> <laughs> group hug, group hug. I love this game. Yeah.